Now today it's a different place All the same with a new face With strange mysteries hanging in the air People in their sane minds Swear they see you today Are you looking for the love they took away? Strange mystery in the air indeed. Ghoulish greetings to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to Paranormal Prowlers podcast and making me part of your morning, day, night, whenever you're listening and wherever you're listening from on this fantastic globe. It's greatly appreciated. Those tunes, as always, are courtesy of my good friend, country legend Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. It's 1874, wintertime in Colorado. The six men are making their way through the treacherous terrain that is the San Juan Mountains. It's cold. Food, well, that's scarce. The men, they're missing their families. But this is not the time or certainly no damn place to be homesick. It's not like now where you can get in your vehicle, crank that heater up, and take on the snowy passes many of these states offer. Every step is a painstaking challenge. Soon the party of six changes to five, and soon it's four men. It keeps diminishing, and soon one man finds himself alone. The lone wolf looks at his surroundings and grunts, Ugh! and sighs. Ah. He walks slowly, taking his time getting off the mountain. How the hell is he going to get himself out of this bloody and sticky situation? Will they believe him? Surely the families of the men will conduct search parties. Alfred Packer, a man who was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but committed his grisly crimes in my home state of the beautiful Colorado. Born in 1842, he was a problem child, and he fought often with his mother and father. He moved out on his own, and soon after served in the Union Army, but he was honorably discharged eight months later due to epilepsy. It was a very serious issue, which made him a huge liability. His condition was severe, and he had no control over it. He was suffering from seizures left and right. Almost every single day he was having seizures. He moved on to other jobs, but, you know, those seizures followed Alfred everywhere he went, which meant he never was able to successfully hold on to any job, big or small. He was even a miner in Colorado, but of course, like all the other jobs and careers, this did not last. Before you start to feel too bad for Mr. Alfred Packer, it should be noted and mentioned that this man was not nice, like whatsoever. He had a dirty reputation for being a thief. If you looked at the sky on a clear day and say, my goodness, what a beautiful day, look at that blue sky, he would look up and fight saying, no, it's gloomy, cloudy, dark, and wet. He was indeed a pathological liar and was known to get into more than one fight. People disliked him and sure as hell didn't trust him. Avoid him like the bubonic plague they did. Unfortunately, not everyone avoided him, and they would sadly pay with their lives. (laughs) 
In November of 1873, several men left the mines in Utah and headed towards the gold fields of Breckenridge, Colorado. Beautiful area. A man named Bob McGrew led the men on the journey. No one really knew each other, but they supported each other. They had one thing in common, and it was to make it to Colorado to find riches, to provide for them and their families. So it was kind of like a special bond that these men had. 25 miles or so into their journey, the party run into a man named Alfred Packer, the lone wolf. He asks the group, where are you headed? Just making small talk, I reckon. When they told him they were headed toward the San Juan Mountains, he invited himself, saying, Hey, I'd like to accompany you men on the journey toward the gold country. Their destination, the San Juan Mountains, oh, it's just an absolutely gorgeous area. A place I've been through several times, and you could see the San Juan Mountains while on the dirt road going to my mom's house. They stand tall and high, and oh, so absolutely rugged. And I tell you, if you're driving through when they're snow-capped, oh, nothing like it. Absolutely amazing. This mountain range is in southwestern Colorado and northwestern New Mexico. It's a highly mineralized location and figured in both silver and gold. That's why this expedition was taking place. I'm sure many had died back then in search of a better life and new beginnings, but thankfully it wasn't death by a psychotic cannibal. The men, they've been walking for 25 miles, closing in on Provo, Utah, when suddenly they encounter a man. Hey, where are you headed? The men look at one another. One speaks up. Colorado, to be exact, the San Juan Mountains. The lone man, sheep in disguise, he smiles. I was thinking of going there myself some day. No time like the present. May I join you? In the conversation, the group of men, they learn that Packer, he's alone, and he has no money. The men, they're already unsure of the stranger. Of course, they're all strangers to one another, or that's at least how it started. But remember, they've been walking 25 miles together. The more miles they walk together, the more they got to know each other. Well, you know, maybe it will be like that with this Packer fellow. But still, something is not right about this individual. Besides no money, the man had no tools. Nothing. No weapon, no equipment, nothing for such a long trip. But what he lacked in, he promised them knowledge that would come in handy. He promised the men that he knew the San Juan Mountains like the back of his hand. This pathological liar knew exactly what these men wanted to hear. He also threw in the mix that he was a guide and prospector. Like, wow, is this just dumb luck? These men bumped into this man who's a guide? I mean, too bad the men did not know anything about this guy or his horrible reputation as a thief and a liar. It didn't take long for the men to see that Packer was lazy. He complained often and bragged about things that made no sense whatsoever. And he often fought with the other men. I mean, this is like drama, like reality TV. This is bullshit. We don't need this. We're doing this huge expedition. It's like already stressful. And this guy, Packer, is just bringing the extra mile of stress. So this already long expedition, it's taking much longer and filling much longer. 
due to Packer. And, oh yeah, remember those seizures? It slowed down things even more. And the men were definitely regretting allowing Alfred to tag along. One man he seemed to enjoy to target and fight much of the time with was a man named Frank Miller. Another one of the men, Preston Nutter, came up with a nickname for Alfred, and he became known as the Whining Fraud. The horses pulled the wagons, soon became tired. Winter had fallen upon them, as if overnight, and they soon found themselves lost. Why would a group of men who had a guide and a man who knew the trail like the back of his hand... Why would they get lost, right? Because Alfred Packer was a coward who ran his mouth and now everyone was in trouble because of that. The men were lost. They were cold and they were starving. They survived by eating horse grain. And if they didn't find anything soon to eat, they would have to soon resort to eating their horses. Now, of course, they didn't want to do such a thing, eat a horse, but desperate times call for desperate measures. In the beginning of 1874, the men, they come upon the encampment of a Native American chief, Chief Uray. The men were nervous and weary. They were on a land that was foreign to them and that was not of their own. And they didn't want to be seen as intruders, but they were desperate. So they approach with the most sincerest of caution. To their amazement, Chief Uray welcomes them with open arms. He offers them not only food and water, but also shelter for as long as they wanted. He suggests until the winter's over and spring is beginning. Well, unfortunately, these men, they weren't the only miners traveling these mountains to get in on some gold and silver action and on the other riches. The men were extremely grateful and stayed for several days, I would say about two weeks, for they didn't want to miss out on mining for the riches. The snow was unforgiving, though, as it was February in the Colorado mountains. A lot of snow was falling, and it was freezing temps. Half the men decided, we're going to stay here with the horses, wait for warmer days, while 11 of the men decided to venture forward. Chief Uray tried his best to persuade the men to stay, as he warned them that no ute would travel in these horrid conditions, as it would be almost certain death. Sadly, they ignored the chief's pleas and walked out that door, marching towards their deaths. They didn't leave empty-handed, though. The generous chief, Uray, bid them farewell with plenty of food and a safe way for their travels. They would be following the Gunnison River, a way that would bypass the treacherous, beautiful, but deadly mountains. The men, they're walking. It's cold, but they have the warmth left over from the Native American chief's food, water, and welcomeness, and his most sincerest of generosity. They leave with full stomachs, and they're more determined than ever. They are going to make it, and when they get there, it's going to be phenomenal. Silver here, gold there, money for them and their families. One man, he walks. He looks down at his shoes as they kick away the intrusive snow. He thinks of his little girl, Mary, her face, her blonde curls hugging her face, her curious blue eyes, so full of love and so full of hope. 
She's only three, but he already knows she's going to do big things. His little girl. He's so proud that a tear drops from his cheek. He wipes it away, and before he can think another morsel of anything else, a voice interrupts his thoughts. Packer, where are you going? Chief Uray said it's safer to go this way. We stay on this path. Packer smugly argues back. I don't care what he said. From now on, I say what goes. I'm the guide. You do as I say. We go through these mountains. So what was Alfred Packer's reason for wanting him to go through a more dangerous, a more complicated route in the middle of winter? His reasoning? It's a more direct route. This is total bullshit, though. However, believe it or not, Packer is able to convince five of the men to go with him through the mountains. The other five go via the Gunnison River, which meets up with the Colorado River. This is Chief Uray's route, the safer route. The men, marching towards uncertainty, trusting a complete stranger. Those men? Israel Swan, James Humphrey, Shannon Wilson Bell, George Noon, and Frank Miller. Now remember earlier I mentioned that Alfred loved taunting and fighting with the latter, Frank Miller. So I really don't understand one bit why Miller would follow this confrontational man and any of them why follow a man who already got the group lost once already and through such a more complicated, dangerous route? The men had close to 80 miles to travel. Soon the men found themselves traveling along a path leading them high up into the San Juan Mountains. This will prove to be a deadly decision. And very stupid as they only had two weeks worth of food, if that. Traveling 80 miles, you only have two weeks of food. Not good. After they take this route, Little is known exactly what takes place, and mystery takes over. The man, he comes out of the woods. He's alone. The lone wolf walks with a bounce in his step. He makes his way toward the Los Pinos Indian Agency. This is very close to Sawatch. And I have family who live in this area, and I myself am there part-time. The lone wolf in sheep's clothing barges in upon seeing the men sitting down, eating, and he howls and begs for them to share their food. The men in the agency are shocked in the state this man is in. He has rags on his feet, his shoes. It's April, still cold out, and yet he's dressed in not appropriate clothing. The man is beside himself, acting as if he has never been around mankind. He's angry. He's ravenous. His identity? A mystery. The men, they bring him inside, sit him down, give him some food and water. It's gone in seconds, then as quick as it's gone, it's back up, as he vomits uncontrollably. It seems that their food upset his little tummy, as a man who had grown accustomed to the taste of human flesh, it seemed that his digestive system was all funky and couldn't register something else being consumed. So this is Alfred Packer's story, okay? And of course, there are no survivors to either say, yes, indeed, this happened, or that, hey, this dude is totally batshit crazy. He tells the agents that the party had hired him to be their guide, but soon, it was damn well obvious that he was becoming a burden to the rest of the men. 
with getting lost and his seizures, it proved to be way too much. Alfred then claims that a man from his party, Israel Swan, hands him over a rifle, then the man leave him. Mm, No, scratch that. He claims that they actually straight up abandoned him. He cries a tale of having to survive off things one couldn't imagine eating, such as rosebuds, roots, and what have you. The agents, they find this kind of odd, and I'll tell you why. You know, for a man who's lost in the wilderness in the Colorado mountains in the middle of winter for several weeks, he sure as hell didn't look the part. His attitude, sure, he was in a frenzy. But they've seen their fair share of lost men, and he wasn't malnourished. In fact, the men reported that he actually looked bloated. There was something else about him that they just could not put their finger on. Remember earlier when I mentioned that when Packer ran into the group of men that he told them he had no money? Well, suddenly the poor man is spending money like it's going extinct. Give me my money. He buys this. He buys that. He even says he has money to loan people. He was seen by several with having several wallets in his possession. Now, how in the hell does this penniless man who didn't even have one wallet suddenly have all this money, more than enough to be comfortable and to get by, and more wallets than he knows what to do with? Mind you, at this point, the men from his party, their fate, it's still unknown. They haven't been seen, nor have they been heard from. One night in a saloon in Sawatch, Packer is there drinking and spending money that clearly isn't his, when suddenly one of the men from the original party walks in. Packer sits at the bar alone. He's often alone these days. He's sitting there looking down at his whiskey when suddenly, Packer, is that you? The lone wolf looks up. Why, Preston Nutter, what brings you to these parts? Preston snorts. And remember, Preston's the one who made up the nickname the whiny fraud. Ha! Enough with the small talk bullshit. Where's the other men at? Packer's obviously drunk and he doesn't answer. Preston slams his hand on the bar hard. Answer me, you drunken fool! Where is Shannon and James and Frank and George and Israel? Alfred starts to spin a tale, similar to what he shared when he first walked through the agency doors. But this time he says that the men went to search for food instead of straight up abandoning him. And he said that he was building a fire and the men just, hey, they never came back. Something must have happened to them. Bummer. None of this sits well with Preston Nutter, okay? Because first of all, those men, those miners had formed a brotherhood, a bond. And even though Alfred Packer was one annoying son of a bitch, they never would have abandoned him, their supposed guide. Furthermore, certain things he shared just made no sense whatsoever. Like, why would Israel give Alfred his rifle? And Preston noticed that he had Frank Miller's skinning knife. Okay, there's no way Frank Miller, also known as Butcher, would leave behind his prized possession, his skinning knife. And if he were to, he would not leave it to Alfred Packer. No way in hell. It is after hearing this bogus story that Preston... He knows damn well that something horrible happened, but nothing close to as bad as what really happened on those Colorado mountains that will forever be etched into the bloody history of Colorado.
Words were thrown like daggers. Accusations were said. I will hang you where you stand, you coward! You lying son of a bitch! Later on, this is what Preston Nutter said about Packer after the confrontation. He was sulky, obstinate, and quarrelsome. He was a petty thief willing to take things that did not belong to him, whether of any value or not. Soon, more men from the original party, the ones that stayed behind, came in through the agency doors. And it seems that this Alfred Packer dude is fibbing big time. They come at different times. They're sharing the same story. He's feeling the pressure and he's packing to flee the area when suddenly he finds himself in yet again Preston Nutter's presence. And he didn't come alone. Before anything can really happen, though, agents come and intervene, getting between the men. And suddenly, Alfred has volunteered to search for the missing men. We see this in the Bisbee Massacre incident as well, where the mastermind, John Heath, participates in the search party and conveniently finds clues like footprints in which two of the murderers are apprehended. Now, I don't think this happened in this case, obviously, and where John happily volunteered his services, Alfred was kind of, I don't know, forced into joining the search. While he told some people this and other people that, changing the story here and there, but never really providing an ounce or a shred of a clue where the missing men were at, it all came out during court. Now, I found some of the old Colorado court transcripts and would like to share some of that now. There was even a letter that was sent by the district court regarding Alfred Packer. And it reads, The people of the state of Colorado to the sheriff, coroner, or any constable of Hinesdale County, greeting, We command you that you take the body of Alfred Packer, if he shall be found in your county, and safely his keep, so that he be and appear forthwith before the district court of Aside County, now holden at the courthouse in Lake City in said county, to answer into a certain bill of indictment preferred against him in Aside Court by the grand jury thereof, and have you then and there this right with an endorsement herein as to the manner in which you shall have executed the same. Now, first off, when Alfred was talking to the Los Pinos agency, he had told them that he left to get firewood. And when he came back, he found the four men surrounding Israel, whose body was lying crumpled on the ground. Here's another story. Israel had met his fate by getting a hatchet to the head. This kills him instantly. And soon the men begin to butcher Israel's swan. Well, Packer, he understands he will be consumed and figures, why not? They're all starving, so bon appetit, right? Several thousand dollars was found on Swan, and the men divided it between themselves, Packer adopting Swan's rifle as his own. Would you believe that Israel Swan's flesh and blood didn't satisfy their hunger for more than two days? Anyways, the men, minus one of course, have a secret meeting, and it is decided that Frank Miller, also known as Butcher, will be the next to die. Packer will later admit that Miller was selected due to his stocky build. The more meat, the merrier. Like Israel, Frank was killed with a blow of the hatchet to the head. His share of the money is split, and Alfred Packer once again adopts Butcher's weapon of choice, his precious skinning knife. Packer's collecting quite the collection of weapons. For the men, I'm sure they're thinking, who is next? I mean, seriously, I would be sleeping with one eye open, watching my back, 
no hatchet to the head for me, please. But, you know, one by one, the men, they start to disappear. Humphrey is next. Then George. The men are eating their way through the party, supposedly, right? The truth comes out, really, what happened that day in these transcripts. Quote, the grand jurors chosen, selected and sworn in, and for the county of Hinesdale, in the state of Colorado, in the name and by the authority of the people of the state of Colorado, upon their oaths present, that Alfred Packer, late of the county of Hinesdale aforesaid, the first day of March in the year of our Lord, 1,874, in the county of Hinesdale, aforesaid, in the then territory of Colorado, but in the now state of Colorado, in and upon one Israel Swan, a human being in the peace of the said people, then and there being did then and there unlawfully, willfully, feloniously, and of his malice aforethought, make an assault, and that the said Alfred Packer, with a certain hatchet, which he in his hands then and there had and held, in and upon the head and forehead of him. The said Israel Swan did then and there strike, beat, and wound several mortal wounds and bruises in which Israel Swan died. Unquote. In the 123-page transcript, I found a paragraph that I want to read. It says, That by reason of rumors which had long been rife among the people who lived in the country surrounding the scene of the alleged homicide with which the petitioner is charged in, said indictment, almost without exception, had been carried to the conclusion in their minds that the petitioner had not only killed the said Israel Swan and some four others for their money, but from a craving and vicious desire for human flesh and blood had eaten them up. That these rumors, groundless in fact, but most harrowing in details and calculated to excite to the highest pitch in the prejudice and minds of all persons possessing human sympathy, and come to be regarded as a veritable legend by the inhabitants of said Hinesdale County. Unquote. In court, it also comes from Packer that Bell and Packer, they are the only ones left standing. They make a pact not to kill or eat one another. This doesn't last long, as soon Bell, this is what Packer says, of course, Packer the victim, Bell is eyeing Packer. Or so Packer says, he attacks poor Alfred, and he only defends himself by killing his attacker. I mean, anybody would, right? Then he eats him. Either way, this Colorado cannibal is charged with murder and finds his home in Sawatch County. But he's not there for very long as he tends to escape. And guess what? He's on the lam for over eight long years. Who knows how many, if any, victims he ate while free for all of those years. I mean, seriously, if he can do that much damage in just a few weeks, imagine what he can do in eight long years. Authorities eventually capture him. He then has a trial for Bell's murder, the last man standing, and he's sentenced to death. Judge Jerry says this to Alfred. Alfred Packer, the judgment of this court is that you be removed from hence to the jail of Hinesdale County, and there confined until the 19th day of May, A.D., 1883, and that on this 19th day of May, 1883, you be taken from thence 
by the sheriff of the Hinesdale County to a place of execution prepared for this purpose. At some point within the corporate limits of the town of Lake City in the said country of Hinesdale, and between the hours of 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. of said day, you, then and there, by said sheriff, be hung by the neck until you are dead, 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 and my God have mercy upon your soul. It sadly doesn't end there, right? That would have been a happy ending. A second trial gives him a 40-year sentence. And guess what? Guess how long he serves this 40-year sentence? Not even half. 16 years for five lives. He's then released and he lives a peaceful, secluded life as a free man. Ludicrous. A cannibal. A known convicted cannibal at that lives a free life. So... As we come to an end, I must ask, who exactly was Alfred Packer? Was he a man down on his luck, truly wanting to find riches in the Colorado mountains like so many others, and soon found himself in a position where it's eat or be eaten, like literally, a starving man in the fight for his life? Or was Alfred Packer a man who fought and lied his way into a traveling party, purposely getting them lost and then eating them along the way, picking them off one by one? Many believe him to be the monster cannibal that he is accused of being by the people in the courts, while others scream he's innocent and did what any man would do in that desperate situation. I mean, to each their own, right? Think what you want. That's fine. I, however, think that there's just too much stacked up to make him a victim in this horrific event. Like, let's look at some of the facts real quick. He was a pathological liar, changing his story several times, not just in life all the time to people, but about what happened, the events that took place. If you're truthful, your story never changes, right? He fought often with the men in his party, and not only them, but others, including his mom and dad. He had a known bad reputation, and people stayed clear from him. He was a thief. And the list goes on. But the biggest one, the biggest thing for me is that he claimed to be a guide, a master of the mountains, claiming to the men that he knew the way to get there as one knows their favorite recipe or the lines to a favorite movie. Easy peasy, easy prey. And ignoring Chief Uray's directions, <laughs> the other half went that way. And even though they had issues and ended up having to be rescued, they stood a chance at survival. And guess why? Because no one was eating each other. And they all survived. No, I can honestly say that I believe Alfred Packer, known as the Colorado Cannibal, definitely deserves this notorious and stomach-wrenching title. I want to pay respect to the men who lost their lives. Instead of getting out of the horrific situation together and standing by one side like the others, they were killed in a brutal way and consumed. One's worst nightmare. As in 1874, a man came upon five sets of remains in the mountains and knew right then who they were. The missing miners have been found, or what remains of them. A grisly sight. Rest in peace, Israel Swan. Rest in peace, Frank Miller. Rest in peace, George Noon. Rest in peace, James Humphreys. And rest in peace, Shannon Bell. You Gentlemen deserved a lot better, and I really would like to hope that these men are now reunited with their families and are at peace. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No 
need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now by going to any of the podcast platforms such as Overcast, CastBox, Podcast Republic, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you may roam to find your other awesome podcasts, you'll surely find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. And this week's special city shoutouts go out to Gravesend, New York, Burnsville, Minnesota, East Chicago, Indiana, Avril Park, New York, and Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. It's always appreciated. And wherever you are in this wonderful globe, again, awesome. You guys all rock, every single one of you. Be sure to tune in next week on Monday for the newest episode. Till then, see you next week.